The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams, from the service already in progress. How could God be number one in your life if you refuse to begin your day with God? Now, when I say begin your day with God, I don't want you to get in bondage that you got to do this, that, or the other. But one thing you should do, you should wake up with him on your mind. Like the song said, I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on the Lord, stayed on Jesus. Do you wake up with a consciousness of the presence of God? Do you wake up every day that this is the day that the Lord hath made? Do you wake up every day acknowledging him to direct your steps that day? God has to be number one. He says, you should have another God before me. And if you're making decisions where God becomes secondary, tertiary, or quaternary, or however far down the line, then you are not making a value-based decision. You are making decisions that's going to usher degrees of death in your life and degrees of curses. Nothing should be coming before God. Your wife, your spouse does not come before God. Your children don't become your house, your car. None of that stuff comes before God. Your money does not come before God. I'd rather have God than have money. Because at least if I got God, I know I can get some more money. But if I only have money, my money's going to run out. How many hear what I'm saying? Huh? Then the second commandment. You shall not make for yourselves any graven image. Don't have any idols. Don't make idols for yourselves. In the image of anything, whether it's in the likeness of something you think that's in heaven or the likeness of something you saw here in the earth or the likeness of something in the waters beneath the earth, God says, do not have any idols. And what is it that we idolize? We decide to idolize. You can't make your job and your career an idol. You can't idolize anything or anyone. You have to make a decision that God is God and beside him there's none other. None other. And I will worship God and only him will I worship. And so we idolize the same things that cause us to put God out of first place, to bump God out of first place. Then he told him, the third thing he told him, he says, do not use my name in vain. How many of you have used his name in vain? You use his name in vain when you were cussing, when you were cursing, cursing and cussing, blaspheming. Use his name in vain, laughing at or telling a joke, trying to be funny, but you're using the, the name of the Lord in vain. God says, don't use my name in vain. Make a better choice than that. Make a better decision because my name is not an empty name. It's not a, it's not a name of vanity. To use his name in vain, you're saying, I don't value that name. That name is a name of emptiness. That name is a name that's useless. That's using his name in vain. 
but I believe there's power in that name. Glory to God. I believe there's power in the name of Jesus. And I don't know how many times, just countless times, where I've been in a jam and all I could do is say in Jesus' name. And the Lord would bring me out because there's power in that name. How can you expect power to be in that name in your time of need when you have used that name in vain at other times? How many hear what I'm saying? He says, honor my name. So when you make decisions, make sure you're honoring my name. Then he says, number four, word number four. This is what he's talking to Israel, telling Israel, telling Moses, give these things to Israel so they're not to live and be my people. Number four, commandment or word number four was, you shall remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now, there's a lot of controversy over that one about the Sabbath day. Now, for the Jews, the Sabbath day was, the, was Saturday, beginning at sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. That was the Jews' Sabbath. In fact, when we were in Israel, we saw firsthand how they observed the Sabbath because the hotel we're staying in, it had two elevator shafts, two elevators. And on the Sabbath day, they would totally shut one elevator down. Guess the Gentiles can use the, the one. If you got tired of waiting for the one, you had to walk up the stairs or walk down the stairs from your room because that was their way of honoring the Sabbath. Because on the Sabbath, in the Old Testament, they were not to do any kind of servile work, no kind of labor. Huh? But we need to understand what Sabbath means. The word Sabbath simply means rest. It means rest and cessation from labor. That's all it means. But how many know our rest is in Jesus? That's what Hebrews teaches us, that our rest is in Jesus. Now, some people say, well, that's the Jewish Sabbath. But that's not the Christian Sabbath. First of all, the Bible doesn't talk about a Christian Sabbath. The Bible talks about on the first day of the week when Jesus rose from the dead, the Bible talks about how John on the island of Patmos, he was in the spirit of the Lord's day, and that was the first day of the week, Sunday. And so that's why we worship as believers on Sunday. But that's not what the Sabbath is all about. How do we remember the Sabbath and keep it holy? There is no actual commandment in the New Testament about keeping the Sabbath. I need you to stay with me. I'm break it down for you. I need you to stay with me. There is no commandment in the New Testament about keeping the Sabbath. You know why? Because Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. Huh? Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. Jesus said to the Jews, he said, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Son of Man. He's Lord of the Sabbath. So how do we keep the Sabbath? How do we keep the Sabbath day and make it holy? Well, first of all, Sabbath also means seventh. Well, which seventh day? For the Jews, this was Saturday. Now for many Christians, it's Sunday. But the Bible doesn't say which seventh day should be the Sabbath day. It doesn't say. 
It doesn't say. But we do know know the Sabbath means rest and release. We do know that. Our Sabbath is in Jesus. Whether you worship on one day or another, God doesn't esteem one day over another day. Paul told us that. He doesn't esteem one day over another day. Every day is the Sabbath for us. And if there's something you're doing on Monday that you refuse to do on Sunday, you have not made a value-based decision. I remember growing up, you know, under religious tradition, we weren't allowed to play, they called them the blues back then. You know, we weren't allowed to play blues in our house. The records, you know, the Motown records, those was the blues. You couldn't play those on Sunday. We weren't allowed to play cards on Sunday because it's supposed to be the Sabbath day. But on Monday, you can listen to all the blues you want. Play all the cards you want on Tuesday. You know, do whatever you want. And so we come into the kingdom with that same mentality. That on Sunday, we're supposed to be on our best behavior. But then on Monday, you want to live like the devil. Every day is your Sabbath. Every day is your Sabbath. If you're in Christ, Jesus Christ is our Sabbath. And so something wrong with me and something wrong with my faith. If I live one way on Monday, then I refuse to live on Sunday. He's my Lord every day. Come on. I want to honor him and and remember the Sabbath every day. I want to understand that he is my rest. And so this is why we say we don't receive by working. In Christ, you receive by resting in the promise. Standing on that promise. You don't get anything from God from working through the works already done. He finished the works on the cross. In fact, he said, it is finished. So I receive from him by valuing what he said, by believing what he said and just resting in that. So Sunday is not a holy day. Every day is a holy day. Every day is a holy day. Now, all of those four commandments, remember now that values, that drive decision-making was how you relate to God. You really want to be in the will of God? Don't put anything, anybody or anything before God. Okay? Don't have no side idols that you're worshiping. You're putting your faith in. Don't be cussing and cursing using the Lord's name. If you want to cuss somebody out, just don't use the Lord's name. I know Christians curse. And we call it cussing. Just, the Lord said, just don't use my name. We should honor that name. There's power in that name. Then he says, you remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Keep it holy. This is how we relate to God. This is our vertical relation to God. Now, there's other six commandments he gave us that show us how to relate to our fellow men in a horizontal way. See, I can't ever relate to you like you're God. Only he's God. But I can relate to you horizontally, you see. See, we're equal horizontally, but no one's greater than God. 
No one or nothing is greater than God. So how do I relate to my fellow man? Well, he says, number one, you honor your father and your mother. That's where it begins. It begins at home. Many times we don't make good decisions in life because we never practice or we were never taught how to make good decisions in our homes. See, you train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he shall not depart. But that had to be a decision made on that child's part. And how could that child come to that place to make the decision? Because of what was taught to him in the home. You must honor your father and your mother. And if you honor your father and your mother, that will lead to you making good choices in life. It'll certainly help. Then he says, commandment number six, he says, you shall not commit, you shall not kill. Some translation says you shall not murder, murder, murder. And I'm not going to take a lot, a lot of time on this because I need to finish. But there's a difference between killing and murder or homicide and murder. All homicides are not a crime, but murder is. Okay? And so I don't want to continue to, part, you know, get too, too deep in this. But killing and homicide don't necessarily mean it's murder. What God was teaching Israel, do not murder. Do not murder. When you make a decision to take another person's life, you've also showed you don't even value your life. Or you don't value the God of life to take another person's life. More often than not, we don't take people's lives physically. We take their lives verbally. We kill them with our mouths. Call them everything but a child of God. Talk them down, run them down. Talk about them like a dog. Huh? The same words you're putting out, heaven and earth is witnessing against you. When you're running somebody else down, heaven and earth is listening to you. They will witness against you. Then word number seven, he said, <laughs> he said, don't commit adultery. Don't commit adultery. And there's physical adultery, but there's also emotional and mental adultery. Jesus talked about if a man is so much as look upon a woman in the wrong way, he's committed adultery in his heart. Joyce and I were just talking about this the other day. You know, a lot of people are so caught up with their careers. They forsake their spouses and their families. And because they're so caught up in their careers, working long hours, never having time to devote to their family, they get sucked into relationships with people in the workplace who's also workaholics just like them. And many times it isn't a physical breach of the relationship but it's an emotional one. You're getting emotionally, you, you're getting your emotional need from somebody at your job that your spouse should be meeting in your home. And the Lord says that's not a good decision to make. That's adultery. I, I need to speak this up. Then he got to, he's teaching us how to relate to one another. Then he's, he got to number, word number eight. He says, don't steal. Don't steal. 
And you know how many Christians still, especially preachers, they rob the people blind. I'm, I'm sorry, but that's the truth. Just rob the people blind. And because the people are blind, they keep getting robbed. But the Lord said, don't steal. And a lot of times we think, well, I'm not stealing because everybody does this. Everybody takes things home from the job. Thou shall not steal. <laughs> what you say, George, take, take the computer back. I wonder how they got at the door with that. But anyways, even the little things we steal. And we steal every time we misrepresent something in order to get a financial benefit we're stealing. Now, I know a lot of folks upset about the president for giving student loan. It don't bother me at all. It don't bother me at all. And I remember I had to enter in a negotiation with the Department of Education to get rid of all my loans. I had to borrow money from my father so I can work out a deal with them to wipe it all out. Got tired and bothered me about that. But I'm not upset. I'm not mad because somebody else getting their debts wiped out. And that, that's that same spirit that will cause you to steal from someone or something. Why can't we rejoice when other people are getting blessed? How can you say you're against, how can you say you're against these people getting their student loans canceled when you're reading your Bible about the year of Jubilee, which was the year of debt cancellation? When you're reading your Bible, Jesus paid a debt that he didn't know you had a debt you can pay, but Jesus paid it for you and you're mad. How can you be mad? Because somebody else got cancellation. You're not making a value-based decision. I value the fact that Jesus died on the cross for me. To pay for a debt, I could not pay. So I've got debt cancellation, so I'm not going to be mad because somebody else got debt cancellation. I'm not mad at him. I'm happy. I just hope they should make some better choices moving forward. Then number nine, he said. Number nine. The Lord says, don't lie. Don't bear false witness. Stop lying. Stop lying about yourself and about others. Stop bearing false witness, false testimony. And I don't care if you say, well, it was just a little white lie. A lie is a lie, L-I-E, lie. And the Lord says, don't lie. So if you're making a decision where you got a lie, it's not a value-based decision. If you got to lie about it. Then number 10, he says, don't covet. Don't covet your neighbor, your neighbor's, your neighbor's wife. Don't covet your neighbor's house. Don't covet your neighbor's male servant or his female servant. Don't covet his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to him, anything that he has. God says, don't covet that. God wants us always to look to him. 
and not have our eyes fixed on others, getting upset, jealous, filled with envy because they have something that we don't have. But here's the point. Here's why God can say don't cover because what God has for you is for you. And can't nobody take my blessing. Can't nobody mess up my blessing but me. Can't nobody take your blessing or mess up your blessing but you. I'm trying to finish. Remember in Matthew chapter 22, this Pharisee lawyer came to Jesus and he asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He said, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. He says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, how do you reconcile? Jesus was quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6. How do you reconcile that response with what God told Israel about the Ten Commandments? Very quickly, listen. The great commandment and the second unto that commandment, those commandments summarize Moses' 10 words that God gave to Israel. It summarizes the 10 commandments. The first, the great commandment was how you relate to God. Commandment one through four. And the second commandment, like unto it, loving your neighbor as yourself, it summarizes the second six commandments. Five, commandment five through number 10. It's a summary. And the Lord says, all the law and the prophet hang on these two commandments. And another way to look at this, all the law and the prophets hang on the 10 commandments. All the commandments, except for, remember the seventh day, number four. Remember the seventh day and keep it holy. Is the only commandment that we have to look at differently. Why? Because that commandment is a picture. It is a picture of what we would do and have in Christ Jesus when we rested in him. But yeah, the Ten Commandments is just as real today as they were in Moses' day. So the Ten Commandments begin with Moses. Particularly the Sabbath day thing began with Moses. Hear me now. The Sabbath day thing began with Moses, but it ended with Jesus on the cross. Now every day is a Sabbath day. Every day is a Sabbath day. Now, let, let me uh, cl close out. I'm, I'm about four minutes over, but let me close out by giving you some guidelines for decision-making. Okay. Now, value-based decision-making. Now, when you make decisions, make sure you got the right spirit. Don't make decisions out of anger, bitterness. Don't make decisions when you're upset, when you want to get even with somebody, when you want to retaliate. No, check your spirit. When you're making a value-based decision, you got to focus on your righteous character. Remember who you are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. 
And does that decision reflect in a good light upon that righteousness? And when you're making a value-based decision, you got to remember who you are. You got to remember who you are. You're God's child. You're representing your heavenly father. And you want to bring shame to his name. So you make value-based decisions. Then when you're making a value-based decision, you check that decision against your priorities and live a priority-driven life. Make sure that decision doesn't bump God out of first place, doesn't bump you out of your second place or bump your spouse and your family out of their third place. Make sure that decision is in line with your priorities. Then you got to align your decision with God's plan and purpose for your life. And hopefully everybody has some understanding to some extent of, of God's plan and purpose for your life. Make sure that decision doesn't counter that or set you back in any kind of way. Amen? And then it's also helpful when you're making a value-based decision, go ahead and define what you'll never do. Just go ahead up, up, up from jump. Define what you'll never do. Now, one of the things I've defined that I never do, number one, I'll never cheat on my wife. Been married 47 years and having so much as kissed another woman other than that woman. Another thing I decided I never do was steal from the people of God. Will not rob you of your, your silver, your gold, or your apparel. I will trust in the Lord for my finances. So you want to make value-based decisions so that people, so people can see the nature of God in you and so they can see how they should live and could live in God because of your life and your example. Will you bow your heads very quickly? Lord, thank you for the power. In Jesus' name, thank you for the power of making good choices the power of value-based decision-making. Oh God, teach us how to live as you taught Israel. Let the words that you spoke through Moses be fresh in our spirit and help these words, Father God, order our steps. God, help us to be thoughtful about decisions we're making and help us, Father God, to have that decision honor you and honor your word, your plan and purpose for our life and help us be doers of your word and not hearers only. We thank you for power. Power. Power to decide. As you gave Adam and Eve, we have that same power to decide. And God, thank you that heaven and earth is witnesses against us. That you've laid out choices for us in life. Life and death. Blessing and cursing. But God, help us to make value-based decisions so that we and our descendants can live. Lord, we want to live. And we want to live a life full and in abundance. And thank you for the power to make those decisions and receive corresponding consequences. In Jesus' name, amen. Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship, 
where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net. 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.